Hello and welcome to What The Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse who oddly enough has no kids, yet a huge passion for informing and empowering women on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me every week as we dive in to all things prenatal, postnatal, birth, and so much more. So let's jump into today's episode. Hello and welcome back to What The Bump. Today, I want to talk about coronavirus, also known as COVID-19, and talk about mainly its impact with pregnancy, labor, delivery, and birth. So as of today, it is March 26th, 2020. So everything that I talk about is going to be up to date as of today. However, there is so much information coming out every single day, and coronavirus is just rapidly evolving. Everything that we know about it is changing very often, but everything that I share right now is still up to date. And I just want to say starting off that this is a scary time. It really is. There's so much anxiety and fear of the unknown right now. I mean, we are in a global pandemic. We, as I live in North Carolina and we are currently on a lockdown quarantine, which basically means that you can only travel out of the house for essential things like the grocery store or if you're a healthcare worker or have an essential job role, you'll have to go outside and walk your dogs and things like that too. But other than that, you are supposed to go outside only if it is absolutely essential. And this has just impacted our lives so much already and it is going to continue to. Whether you already have been directly impacted by maybe losing your job or somebody you know got the coronavirus or is sick with it, it is going to impact a lot of us. And at some point, I'm sure we're all going to know somebody who has it. And it's just, it's a scary time and it's okay to be scared. It's okay to fear the things that we do not know are going to happen, but all we can really do right now is educate ourselves, practice the social distancing that they are recommending us to do to kind of flatten that curve of the spread and really just get this thing under control and get it gone out of our lives and just know that there will be an end to it. We will see the end of the coronavirus and we as a nation and as a world are going to overcome it one way or another eventually. And in the meantime, we just have to hang in there and try to stay as positive as we can, as grateful as we can, and just really nip this virus in the butt. So what actually is the 2020 coronavirus that we are fighting right now? It is also called COVID-19. So if you remember in 2003, there was the SARS that spread. It was a severe acute respiratory syndrome that also started in China. And it was also one of the coronaviruses. So there's multiple coronaviruses, but SARS is a little bit different from COVID-19. SARS seem to spread less fast and less severe. So the COVID-19 is spreading faster, more severe, and infecting and killing a lot more people than SARS did. Right now in the world, there are 416,686,000 cases confirmed cases and that's about half a million and I did hear somewhere that you can almost expect that number to be over double because there are so many cases that are not confirmed and so many states and countries that do not have adequate testing resources available there has been about 18,589 deaths and this has infected about 196 countries areas and territories and like I mentioned how these numbers might not be very accurate I mean this is up to date as of today however it is severely underreported. my someone I know was having symptoms just like the coronavirus and they tried to get tested they went to the test center they wouldn't test them they went to the doctor's office they said they did not have enough tests and 
it, testing has just been widely, at least in America, very hard to come by. I know they're making it way more available. They're setting up test centers in most states, but I truly believe that this number is very low compared to what it actually probably is. And this, I will link this um, site where I found this like kind of live reporting system. They update it, I believe it's every day. And I'll put this link in the show notes for this. Um, I also am pulling a lot of this information. I will link it as well, but from ACOG, which is the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, from ROCOG, ARCOG, I don't know how they say it, but it's basically the UK's guidelines for obstetric and gynecological care. And then WHO, which is the World Health Organization, and CDC.gov. So I will link all of these in the show notes for you guys. The coronavirus, or COVID-19, appeared in Wuhan, China in December of 2019. That is when we heard of the first case of it. And they're still trying to trace the exact source of this new coronavirus. But they believe that it was linked to a seafood market in Wuhan. And I heard that people were eating bats there and selling like bats and fish and all different types of meat and animal meat. And somehow it originated out of the bats that got into the other seafood at the market, which then spread to the people in the local area. So some people who visited that market ended up developing the viral pneumonia caused by the new coronavirus. And that's how it was originally detected. Since then, obviously, Wuhan was the first city to go on lockdown and to really see this disease spread. After that, it spread to neighboring areas of China and now all over the world. COVID-19 is spread through a droplet and contact. So if you cough and the droplets go into the air or you sneeze and the particles aerosolize into the air, that can actually hang out for about three hours. And it's also spread through contact. So touching a surface, touching a doorknob, touching your phone, it can live on different surfaces for varying amounts of hours, depending on what the surface is made out of. Signs and symptoms of COVID-19 to look out for are going to be fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath. Coronavirus really causes that dry, like barking, hacking cough and a really high fever. And it really causes, it's, it's mainly attacks your respiratory system. It causes that viral pneumonia like I talked about, and it makes it very, very hard to breathe. Typically, when you get the flu, you do not get shortness of breath. Typically, when you get a cold, you do not get shortness of breath. And maybe with seasonal allergies, you get a little bit kind of of like a congestion, but not necessarily shortness of breath where you really are feel like you're struggling to breathe. And currently there is no vaccine or medication to treat the coronavirus. They're working on vaccines. However, those things take a long time. And right now they're handling it by just kind of treating the signs and symptoms, trying to get rid of the pneumonia, trying to open up airways and help people to breathe a lot better, as well as bring down fevers. So what we are all really here for, let's talk about COVID-19 and pregnancy. A lot of the information I got on COVID-19 and pregnancy came from ACOG, which is the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, and it is they are closely monitoring the COVID-19 pandemic. And many other sites like the CDC do have some articles on pregnancy and the COVID-19 pandemic, but most of them do not, at least not as much as ACOG is going to. So ACOG is recommending the simple do not travel, social distancing, which by now I think we have all practiced and started to take very seriously, just not going places if you don't need to. Even places like the grocery store, send your spouse, send your husband, send a friend if you're pregnant. There's just no need to introduce yourself or really put yourself at risk of contracting this virus. And right now, there is still very little known about COVID-19, particularly related to pregnancy and its effect on pregnant women and newborn babies or pregnant women and their infants while they are in utero. 
There is not specific recommendations to pregnant women regarding the management of COVID-19 and the research is changing daily. So in general, pregnant women are known to be at a greater risk for morbidity and mortality in general, especially from respiratory infections such as the flu, influenza, SARS. However, with COVID-19, pregnant women actually are not considered at an increased risk as of right now. Like I said, this is evolving daily. So because of the increased risk for morbidity and mortality from respiratory infections in general, pregnant women are considered to be an at-risk population. However, we are not considering pregnant women an increased risk population. There was a small study published using cases from early in the outbreak in China, and it was only nine pregnant women that were studied. So very, very small test sample, but their symptoms when they were infected with the coronavirus were very mild to moderate. None of the women developed severe complications. None of them died, and their babies actually ended up being generally healthy. The 2003 SARS coronavirus and influenza are both known to cause increased miscarriage and stillbirth rates. There is really no reason to believe that COVID-19 increases either of these yet. There have been some cases of preterm births in women who have the infection of COVID-19, but it's really unclear whether it was actually the COVID-19 that caused that or whether there was other risks that were already there that caused this. As of right now, the main concern with COVID-19 in pregnancy while you're still pregnant getting it is really just the risk of fever in pregnancy, which we know can be linked to causing some congenital defects. However, that's really unclear again, but there seems to be a risk and it's really greatest during the first trimester, you getting a high fever. And this risk is reduced if you're already taking the folic acid for these congenital defects or neural tube defects and using fever reducing medications. So I will say if you do get the coronavirus and you're pregnant, the information is very limited. However, we know that you need to reduce your fever, especially if you're in that first trimester. So make sure to take a fever reducing medication. Obviously talk to your provider first and make sure that you are taking or supplementing with folic acid or a prenatal vitamin. And as I mentioned in the study earlier, that was done with nine pregnant women who were COVID-19 positive. Their babies were generally healthy when they were born and they have tested the amniotic fluid and the cord blood of babies born to positive COVID-19 mothers. And there has been no detectable COVID-19 in the amniotic fluid or the umbilical cord blood of these newborns, which basically tells us that they are not going to get the COVID-19 virus transmitted to them while in utero. They're not going to get it through the umbilical cord blood. They're not going to get it through the amniotic fluid in their amniotic sac. However, there is a risk for after your newborn is born that you can transmit the virus. So this virus spreads person to person. It spreads through droplets, through coughs, through secretions that can actually hang in the air for up to three hours. So if your baby is born and you are doing skin to skin with them, you're holding them, you're kissing them, and you are COVID-19 positive, your baby could definitely get COVID-19. So it is recommended that if you test positive, you are put under contact and droplet precautions at the hospital. And now some hospitals are using airborne precautions as well, but basically what you are gonna have to do is wear protective, personal protective equipment and a mask. So while holding the baby, while keeping the baby skin to skin and even breastfeeding, they are suggesting that you wear a mask, you wash your hands before touching the baby, and you basically do all the standard precautions that you would to prevent the spread of the virus from you and anybody else that you are around with your baby as well. And your baby will be tested at birth and probably pretty often to make sure that they are not going to contract the virus. And I mentioned breastfeeding. You can breastfeed. It actually is currently recommended to breastfeed. And the primary concern right now is not whether the virus necessarily can be transmitted through breast milk, but whether an infected mother can transmit it through the respiratory droplet precautions during breastfeeding. So the benefits of breastfeeding outweigh any risk of COVID-19 being in your breast milk. It's very, very 
unlikely that it is spread through breast milk however it's really that droplet so like i said the skin to skin the kissing your baby it is recommended that you wear a mask to take precautions to avoid spreading the virus to your infant washing your hands before touching the infant and doing all of that especially while breastfeeding so to reduce the risk of transmitting the virus that causes covid19 from mother to newborn in the hospital setting facilities are are considering and actually recommending temporarily separating the mother and baby so basically having two rooms next to each other and right at delivery they are taking the newborn into a separate room that is going to be its quarantine room basically and the mom will be in her quarantine room and it is suggested to do this until the mother's transmission based precautions are discontinued so basically until the mother is considered not infectious and not contagious which is standard around 14 days so yeah i i know it sounds crazy but they are recommending that the mom and baby be split for 14 days and some hospitals and some some evidence-based practices are recommending still allowing breastfeeding just doing those standard precautions of the mask and washing your hands and some others are recommending to just pump and have the baby fed that breast milk it's really unclear right now like i said this is so new to all of us and we don't know how to handle it we have honestly i'll be real we've never seen anything like this before and i am a labor and delivery nurse and it scares the heck out of me because when when not if when i have my first covid19 positive patient and they have their baby with me i mean that's heartbreaking for me to for me to say that i am taught and i'm told that i need to separate your baby from me for 14 days that's just hard and I know that it's probably what's best but like I said it's just hard because we don't have the evidence to back it up but do we want to take that risk then of infecting the newborn we don't know how newborns can fight this we don't know they don't have immune systems yet so it's really just the 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 14 day quarantine right after birth is it's just kind of what we have to do right now until we really know so even if you are actually coming into labor and you are not positive for coronavirus our unit is still taking so many precautions we are pre-screening everybody downstairs before you're allowed up on the unit we're taking your temperatures we're screening you with basic questions such as do you know anybody who is having symptoms of the coronavirus do you know anybody who's been tested positive have you traveled anywhere outside of the united states or even in the united states lately have you been on a plane or an airport lately just a couple screening questions and if you answer yes to any of them we kind of go into a more depth screening take your temperature if you have a fever obviously if you're in labor we let you on our unit but we take you right into one of these negative pressure rooms that we have set aside for COVID-19 patients and if you are a visitor or support person and you test positive for a fever or you answer yes to any of those certain coronavirus questions we actually do not let you on the unit and it seems so harsh but like I said this is so much that is unknown and we don't know how to handle it yet and we're just trying to learn day by day and take the precautions we need to to keep all the moms and babies that we come into contact with every single day safe and i also do want to say about the whole 14 day quarantine and separation of the mother and baby so that is what acog recommends but ARCOG, or I don't know how they pronounce it, but it's basically the Royal College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists, which is in the UK. They actually recommend not separating it. They say that there is potential negative effects on breastfeeding and bonding that actually outweigh the risks of the mom and baby rooming in together. And because of all of these strict regulations the hospital is having, a lot of women have actually opted for home births lately. And 
it makes me sad because if you wanted to deliver at the hospital, it really does make me sad that you can't have that, that you now are delivering at home. And some women might not feel safe delivering at home, but they might feel like that is their only option because if they go to the hospital, like I said, they're going to be allowed one, maybe two visitors. We are allowing doulas in. They are considered an essential part of the birth team. So that does not count towards your one or two visitors, but you're in the hospital for two to three days after you have your baby. And that means no family, no grandparents. Obviously your other kids cannot come into the hospital and see them. The staff is constantly wearing masks and you know, we're just really trying to control the spread of this virus. So I know women are coming into their OBGYN's office and telling them that they are now doing home births because of the hospital regulations. And you know, if, if that's what you want, if you really want a home birth, then that's totally fine. But if you don't want a home birth, don't, don't have one. Don't stay out of the hospital just because of this coronavirus. We are taking measures to keep you safe and everybody can see your baby on their own time whenever you want them to. They probably shouldn't even be because of the virus right now. So even if you have a home birth, you should not have relatives and family and friends over to see your baby anyway. And that's really everything I know about the coronavirus. Like I said, we have been dealing with this for only a couple of weeks now. Our unit seriously sends out emails and posts every single day just updating us on new policies new procedures that we're taking into act and they update us and then the next day they completely change the whole thing so it's evolving every single day and there are just some simple things that we can do to just help this virus get under control and get it gone and like i said it's going to be social distancing staying home washing your hands regularly for at least 20 seconds, please. Using a tissue if you cough or sneeze and then wash your hands after. Sneeze into your elbow. Just do not sneeze into midair because these particles can stay suspended for three hours. Avoid contact with anybody who displays coronavirus symptoms like a high fever or a cough or if, even if you know that they've traveled. Avoid any non-essential use of public transportation or going out in public. Work from home if possible and when possible. Avoid any gatherings in public spaces. Obviously, restaurants and bars and all those things are closed. But anywhere that's public and in a smaller space, the virus can spread really quickly through those areas if even just one person has it and is asymptomatic. Avoid your family and friends as much as you can. You will get to see them again and this will all end. Use technology. Use your cell phone. Use online services and FaceTime them when you miss them. And then as far as OBGYN care, try to use telephone or online services to contact your providers or any other like essential medical care that you could need. If you are in your third trimester, which would be more than 28 weeks pregnant, you should really be using the social distancing and minimizing your contact with other people. OB offices I know are adapting their guidelines and their practices. So they might be canceling some of your appointments if they are not critical or pushing your appointments over a longer stretch of time if they can, if you're healthy and not having complications. I know one of our offices, they were seeing patients every, I think like some patients that they were seeing every four weeks, they tried to stretch them out to seeing them now every eight weeks and doing it over the phone if needed in between. So just stay home, ride this virus out. We all are in this together and we are all going to get through it together. Everybody just has to kind of do their own little part of staying self-quarantined and flattening the curve and just trying to stay healthy and positive because it's going to take some time to recover. Our economy is going to have to recover. People's souls and hearts are going to have to recover from just the fear and anxiety that we are just kind of living in every day. It's it's just such a fear of the unknown. So thank you guys for tuning into this podcast about the coronavirus. And I will probably 
make a couple more like this talking about it because I'm sure in a week or two, if not less, that this entire podcast will be outdated with new information. But make sure to check out the links of a couple of the sites that I pulled some of this evidence and information off of. Hopefully they'll update it and keep changing it. But this is what we know right now as of March 26th, 2020. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it and I will see you next week to talk more about the bump. And of course, I know you all probably know this, but I have to add it in. I make every effort to broadcast correct information through this podcast, but I'm still learning so much. So I am in no way providing medical advice through this podcast, just sharing the things that myself and others have experienced or learned. Make sure to consult your physician before taking anything from this podcast and changing your health. This applies to any guests or contributors that I also have on this podcast. Thank you. And I will see you next week.